one. Okay. All right. Facebook family. Technical difficulties. This is what happens. It can be a great thing. That's technology can also be the bane of your existence. So uh, this is your blended family guy. Why do I do what I do? I just want to let you know, I have a calling, a mandate on my life to help blended families. Um, I was fortunate enough uh, to give you some background and some story. Um, I married my wife 16 years ago. We met over 18 years ago, and I was fortunate enough to be blessed with an amazing, at the time, while wow, she was five. By the time we got married, she was seven. And that is my daughter, who at this point is 24 years old. Um, in that time period, that those 16 years, we had great marital counseling, right? We had some great marital counselors. Um, I will tell you, they were phenomenal from Pastor Robinson, who married us, to the Greens, who have been married, Jesus, over 50-something years. Shout out to Brother and Sister Green. Yeah, Brother and Sister Green. North Carolina. Yes. And they're on Facebook. So. They are on Facebook still Teresa. doing it every day, sharing and amazing Pastor Robinson. But nothing can prepare you for the ocean of blended family life. Um, so the purpose of our ministry is to help people navigate this and Again, with the proliferation of divorce, which again, we, we, we don't like that word. We don't want it. People don't enter a marriage um, intending on that. The more and more divorce, the more blended families are created. And so we want to help people navigate that through our transparency, through the things that we've learned, through the counseling that we do. We want to help you navigate that um, because it's hard. We want your marriage to flourish. We want you to move from overwhelmingly, uh, from just surviving to overwhelmingly thriving. So I just want to make sure that you're doing exactly what you need to do to help your family win. So tonight's session, and we're going to be doing this every Sunday at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, 30 minutes. The reason why we're a little late this time is because technology. Um, it's my fault. I technology. Now I'm a techie, and sometimes I, uh, you know, the techie gets stumped, and and so I apologize um, for that. But again, it's always going to be about thirty minutes. Uh, we'll have Q and A, and again, we're going to be very transparent with you. We're going to let you know the things that we went through, so you don't have to go through them, and give you the best advice we can. So that being said, we're going to get right into it. We're talking on the subject of absentee parents. Help, <laughs> secretly, I'm an absentee parent. Help, secretly, I'm an absentee parent. Well, what do you mean by that, Marcus? What I mean by that is there are some things that we are going through in terms of our parenting. And we know that there's that gut innate feeling where we know we're still not giving enough or we're doing, we're, we're overtaxing our children, or we know we could be doing more. So let's touch on that because a lot of times you, society will deem you success as a parent just because 
Your kids are involved in a lot. And, you know, we run down the list when we're talking to the parents. Well, you know, my son's in soccer and, oh, he's in karate and he's in that and he's in this. And that can make you feel like, oh, you know what? You're involved. Your child is involved. But are you connected with your child? Right. So how can you parent somebody if you're absent? So because to be absent means to not be there. Right. That's right. So so how does that work with blended families? Because what would be your advice for parents that are outside of the home? They want to be a part of that child. And just because them and their, you know, former spouse or, or partner um, created this wonderful child, how do they remain involved? <clears throat> well, and you were you were tapping on technology, so I was jumping on that, but I'll go here. Um, I just know that it can be hard to deal with when a uh, relationship you know, most most uh, couples that we've talked to, the challenge for them is the communication between them and the other parent, whether they're married or not. Um, it is. Well, we'll say that they're not married. So obviously that child is a part of another um, family blend that might be with the mother or it may be with the father. And so when that child comes into the home, um, they're experiencing life with another mother will say is the step-in mother or the step-in father. And the challenge can be that that outside parent, that parent that doesn't live in that home, um, if there isn't a, um, a plan, a game plan that's put together, um, that means that, you know, there has to be a, a bowing out of wills and emotions and really putting that child's needs first. And that can be really hard with people that have, you know, just heavy issues, maybe deep rooted issues going on um, through their relationship. Like maybe it was an ugly breakup or, you know, it was just an ugly situation. And, you know, and I realize I know that that can be very, very difficult. Um, I speak from experience of knowing, you know, being someone who is a young mother who, you know, didn't know anything about being married, didn't know anything about you know, raising children, much less that. But um, when the when the time came and God allowed me to uh, be in view for my husband, um, I think the thing that um, I was concerned about most was the relationship between her father and her new father, the step-in father who's about to come into her life. And Again, because of the past and, you know, just things, hey, you know, we may be in different places as far as maturity is concerned, you know, where it can be very difficult for someone to say, you know what, I, I can look past one thing and then, you know, be able to then say, you know, let's just, hey, let's dap it up and, and let's move forward, you know. Um, it takes a lot of maturity to do that. And, you know, it takes for some people, it may take counseling. That's right. You know, I remember there was a video. Maybe we might find the link, but um, it really, really like, I mean, it had me crying. I was watching it where, um, you know, couples were coming together and they were emotional over the fact that they had loved one another in the process of being there for each other's children. So it's like the you know, the biological father, you know, the stepfather or the step-in father 
were coming together. And the biological father was thanking the step-in father for all that he had done, for what he was pouring into the child. And he started getting emotional and crying. Well, you know, that doesn't normally happen. <laughs> I mean, in most situations that I've heard of, you very seldom see that. But I think in an ideal world for children, if it's really about them, right. it should be like that, y'all. It should be like, man, we're just going to come together and we're going to just do unconditional love. We're just going to make sure that, uh, you know, we have a unified front in front of our children. Okay, but so how do how does, again, that that person that's on the outside, you know, of now this family where and let's just use for this example, um, you know, the, the guy. Because in most instances, the, the children will always be with the mother <clears throat> from a for, for a blended family. In how can he how can he avoid being absent? How? What can he do? Well, number one, if there's a good relationship with that mother and that mother really is about making sure that her children get the best, then you start with uh, opening up your calendar. And, you know, having communication so that, you know, any and everything that that child is involved in and making sure that you're there. I think in the early years for a child, it's all about being present. So like from birth all the way until they're pretty much in high school. And I will tell you this, even through high school, um, it's all about you being present. They're going to remember every moment when you said you were going to do something and you didn't do it. They're going to remember when uh, you you know, you said you were going to get them something and you gave empty promises. So you want to make sure that, you know, and, and those promises yeah. don't all have to be yeah. financial. You know, don't try to give them off and give them things to to win their love. It's all about being present. And I think that's uh, the number one thing. So that requires communicating with the person that you may not be. You know, they may not be your number one in your emotional list. You know, maybe they, like I said, the ugly breakup, but it's not about that. It's about the beautiful child that you all have and it's about doing what's best for them. So. Okay. So let's talk, let's, let's be transparent. Chris. I mean, the one thing that we've been struggling with um, the last couple of weeks is major schedule, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, y'all, I want to be absolutely honest with you. We, we have very lively debates. Would you say lively debates? Is that a good way of saying we we can lively debates? Okay. I don't always agree. With we you. have we have vigorous <laughs> conversations. I don't always agree with you. Okay, but yeah, <laughs> but I think that's a good thing, right? And the point is protecting. Uh, you know, um, one of my good friends, Pastor Eric Anderson of uh, Global Outreach, he said something that I liked, and I liked the way he phrased it. You have to protect your children's calendar. One thing that we are very protective of is major's calendar. Now, still, that being said, we are always still trying to battle to make sure that we're not trying to put him in things that he shouldn't. You know, and, and right now here, the little the little guy, you see him walking past the screen. Um, we struggle with that. And over the last two weeks, there are multiple things that we want major to be in. But the question is, OK, is this the right thing for him? So one thing that you can do if you're in a blended family or a, a family with children and you're trying to figure out, well, what is too much? Right. And so being that this is part of, you know, so, guys, one thing you're always going to get is transparency. Right. So our little fella right here, 
kids don't care about broadcasts. So that's why my wife is stepping off the scene to make sure he's okay. One thing that we are always trying to do is make sure that we are doing exactly what we need to to get the best out of major. So one thing that we we are always constantly struggling with, and I had to really check myself and ask God, hey, God, can you help me with this? Right. And that was I play basketball. In high school. Could I have made it to the NBA? No. Was I good enough to play in college? I think so, but that might be my own mind, right? Seriously, though, because I'm familiar with basketball, that's why I think I and I had to check myself. I'm con- I, I was pushing him towards it, but my son likes baseball. He likes soccer. So what we did, um, I think, it was on Thursday night because he's involved in quite a bit, and we and we're feeling that pull, that tug from the Holy Spirit that, you know what, he's involved in too much. We need to pare it down. So we asked Major. We're sitting here at dinner and we have a whiteboard that I put up um, here. I'll show it to you. You might be able to see it. It's right there. You see it right behind me. That whiteboard is where we put up to-do lists, where we put up scriptures for the week for Major to learn. We put up quite a few things, right? Um, His challenge words for the week. And what happened is, you come to sit back down, honey? So what happened is we asked Major, well, Major, here's the four things you're involved in. It was uh, basketball, baseball, soccer, and hip-hop dance. So we asked him to rate them one through four, with one being first and, you know, on down the line. And it was funny, right? He said, you know, basketball to number one, Dad. Um, I think it was baseball was number two. Soccer was number three. And then he said, Dad, do you have a number like a thousand? And, and he said, he said, is there like some number that, you know, you could put for um, a th-? and he was being witty and it was hilarious. But he was saying that he did not want to do hip hop dance class. Wasn't because of the teachers. Great teacher <laughs> um, uh, over at Profusion <clears throat> um, Dance Studio and Humble. Great school. School, if you're ever thinking about having your kids uh, uh, in performance, uh, dance performance, it was just that he didn't want to do it. And we needed to be okay with him not. Now, we want him to have an arts and a sports background. So there are some things like piano that, in my opinion, I wish my parents had forced me to continue to practice piano. I now do. Forced me to. I quit when I think when I was seven or eight. I will just say that maybe the teacher wasn't as great as my wife. She's an amazing teacher. Um, she's a child whisperer when it comes to piano. Um, I wish I had had somebody like her. That's just her gift. But we're not going to let him quit, even if he wants to quit. I'm not saying he does or he doesn't. But there's going to come a time probably when he hits that wall. There's going to be some things that I'm just not going to let him quit on. He's going to learn piano. Yes, uh, now, 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 my wife had to correct me. And see, guys, this is where I think the, the healthy dialogue and communication comes into play, because my wife was like, well, babe, you can't just, you know, you can't make him play the piano. I, I, I kind of was like, well, I'm his parent. Um, he has to do what I say he has to do. And she said, no, you can't you can't do it that way. And the way she crafted it, I said, well, yeah, we'll go with that, because I think it is the right way. But I really do wish 
mom and dad, I love you, but I wish you had a, made me continue to take piano. <laughs> but Chris, can you can you tell the audience why you what your rationale was on why he should play? Because it goes a little deeper than that, and it, and it is it is a really great answer to help me. Well, I just said that, and this is I guess a little something to help parents that are wanting to introduce their kids to the arts, and maybe they didn't do music, or maybe they maybe you might see. You know, because I've had some parents come to me and say, you know, I hear my child singing and they're doing all these things and I didn't sing. So I don't know. I just want to, you know, find out what to do. Well, I think that um, and it's proven, of course, not just a thought, but that these are the years of formal instruction for children. Like this is the, the way that their brains process. It's very formally. So that means that um, repetition and giving them as much access and just exposure to many different things is always good. So what I was saying is that um, at an early age, so like at major six now, but at four, um, you know, I put him in a group with other students doing piano. And I think it was a great opportunity for me to surrender, not being the one that was his instructor, but more so being support mom, because it was a class where the parent had to be a part um, which was also different for me because that's not how I was taught. But also the way I was taught, um, we were a little bit older when we got started. And so I was shocked with what those children were able to do at an early age. So then that changed my whole way of thinking that, you know, there's some things that you should, if you want them to be great in sports, just like we've been doing, he'll go to a game. He'll play uh, group sports. We praise him. You know, I think whenever they do, if you praise them and if they seem to get discouraged about it, he's in there shooting baskets. Now. He's in there shooting baskets now. Because you praised him so much about shooting on the door that he'll shoot everywhere. He'll shoot anything. So my point is that um, and that was just something that just blew my mind, even in re relation to teaching, is that um, whatever you praise and however you praise, um, it will encourage them to move. Now, if, if now one thing about music. I say this. There are certain things that um, they have to learn independently. Absolutely. So where parents, I think, struggle is sometimes they say, well, my child just isn't motivated to practice or they can't. So this goes back to what we were talking about, the lesson from earlier today, which was you're in charge of your child's schedule. So, parent, I say to you that you show them how to manage their time. You don't just let them go and then wait for them to kind of through osmosis. Uh, have a connection with the instrument or with, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to get them to do. If you want them to be an artist, you know, there has to be some guidance surrounded around that for a little bit of time. And okay. um, and that's something that I encourage my parents of younger children to do, at least for that first year, commit to being there for them and not just, and I think this is difficult so, for the parent that does kind of like what I know we're getting ready to talk about, you're used to taking them to the game and then the coach does it and then they go away okay, and so there's good. no so this interaction. Is, this is so a great music, lead in, right? music isn't like that. So this is a great lead in. Um, the one thing that I decided to do, I couldn't, it, it was hard for me to do it with my daughter. Right. And we've learned, you know, we grew up a lot learning how to be a parent with, with my daughter. We, we have, but she made it though. Oh, she made it. We, didn't, we, we weren't bad. It. We weren't bad. We, we, we tried not to be. I mean, we, we made a lot of mistakes. We're a little wiser with major. The grace of God. Yeah, grace of God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, 
we we are doing all, things a lot smarter with major. One thing that um, I can say, you know, to try to sometimes help avoid being an absentee parent is be the coach. Um, I'll tell you, um, I started, I've never played soccer, y'all. And if I stood up and you saw my physique, you would probably say I'm a football player, but I used to be real skinny. Soccer was one of those sports that when I was introduced to it back in kindergarten and I saw that running you had to do, I said, I'm, I, I don't. No, I'm not trying out. It's not soccer. I don't want to be in it. Um, Too much running. Right. We'll do basketball. It's a lot of running, but not as much as soccer. Well, over the last three, three or four years since Major's been playing soccer last three three or four years, um, I've been a coach. Now, at that age, right, you're you're really just ushering these kids. You're really trying to make sure that you're encouraging them. Right. You're you're doing what's necessary to keep them excited about this game. Right. Because they're not coordinated. Um, they're learning it. But one thing my son loved, he loved seeing me on that sideline every Saturday. And I didn't let anything come in between that. I would come from events speaking in jeans and a dress shirt and I'd still be coaching. And you know why? My son loved it. And those other kids. And one thing I do is I love kids. But my point is, is that I never played soccer, but I was willing to volunteer in the sport. Now that he's he's approaching seven. They need more of a skilled coach. So guess what I did? I said, you know what? There's a gentleman named Douglas um, Lyle. He has played soccer. And guess what? He's now the head coach. And I'm assisting him. And I've actually, to be honest, I've been assisting him the last two, three years because he's the guy who actually has played <laughs> soccer and has the drills. Right. But my point is my son loves that I'm on the sideline. Another thing, parents, get involved at church. If you don't take your kids to church, please do be active with them. Me and my wife, while we were at Grace Church um, here in Humble, one thing we decided, one thing I decided to do, Chris is always involved with children. She's amazing at it. But what I decided to do when Major was born is I said that I would be active in his life throughout every single maturation, every single graduation to the next level at Grace I've been a part of. So when he was in the nursery, I was one of the only males in the nursery and I loved it. Now, I mean, um, you know, it, it, it was fun to me chasing kids and, you know, they're hanging <laughs> on my legs, climbing up my, my back. You know, it was great. I will tell you. I loved it. Now that he was, you know, when he graduated to the kind of the kindergarten class, he loved teach. He loved me teaching. My son just today said, hey, dad, when are you going to teach again? That touches my heart. You know why? My son likes me being there with him. I'm present. But I will tell you, I still struggle with absentee parenting. How it's called this cell phone right here. It's called this Samsung. Now, if you haven't, if you have an iPhone, I'm sorry. Your iPhone's dead most of the time. Um, so you probably don't have to worry about your iPhone interrupting you. Just kidding. But that was from we me. have to we we have to be absent. <laughs> I want you to understand, um, people, and, and, and then I'll let you I'll let you chime in, Chris. Is that um you can be an absentee parent at the dinner table. Oh when you have this cell phone sitting right next to your 
your gravy and, and your meatloaf and you're eating dinner. And every time it buzzes, your child is talking to you and you looking up at the phone. I will tell you that is the rudest thing. And I'm telling you, you reap what you sow. And here's why you're telling your child that they are not important when they are talking. And so what's going to happen is when that child grows up and as they're interacting socially, they're going to do the same thing. So what I want you to always make sure of is that you're absent, you're uh, you're, you're present all the time. Oh, and can I? I want to yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, try to make the cell phone more of a privilege than it is a way to distract your child. Because I see a lot uh -oh. of moms oh, like, I'm guilty. you know, well, then I'm, I'm, oh, I'm you meaning this too? for you too. No, because I'm actually speaking of the conviction of the fact that so major six. So even at four, you know, I was like, I am not putting games on a phone. Um, I'm not putting a phone in front of my child. My child is reading. He's reading That's books. And, and I did. No, we I spent a lot of time buying books, reading books. I mean, we started really early with this and wanting to develop. I wanted a boy that was going to love to read, not be Absolutely. like, you Absolutely. know, because my grandmother was a school teacher and she always, you know, would make you always hear the comparisons of them saying that boys, you know, they develop certain things a little a little later when it comes to the, you know, being able to read and those types of things. And I said, no, not going to happen. And basically, um, I can just remember by about, I guess, the summer of transitioning to five um, you know, putting a few games. And when I say a few, I'm talking like one, two and three little games on the phone and just noticing how it, it might have been even the iPad, Yeah. Um, which he doesn't have his own iPad, you know, still at six. It's more of this is mom and daddy's and we put a few games on there. And, you know, and I think the reason why is because I'm realizing that, wow, you know, I know kids that as soon as they get in the car, they want this. They want something to look at. They can't focus. They can't, uh -oh. they can't carry a conversation about anything. Uh, when you're walking into a place, whether it be the grocery store, we're going to target, you know, we're going somewhere and they can't, um, you know, they, they can't do it without, or the parent feels like that they have to give them this because they don't want them to be heard in the store. So I, I'm just saying this, not saying that I'm haven't been guilty of doing that, that I've been in a place where, and I thank God. I mean, there've been some places where I was like, Lord, Jesus, I know this is heavy on him. It's too much because it's adult interaction um, or maybe it was a speaker or something. And for him to have to be there and be in that, yeah. you know, then of course, you know, you want to put, you're grateful for this. Woo, yeah. If our parents had had this, they probably wouldn't have whooped us as much as they did because, and that's real because, you know, but then that's a whole nother story because I still think the whooping kept us you know, kind of. Babe, we can't say whooping right. on Facebook. It's spankings. No, spankings. So, okay. All right, well, I but I will that. say this. Watch what you put on here. Make sure that it's not, uh, you know, as many what I call mindless activities, especially uh -oh. between the age of what I said. What am I saying? Formal instruction, formal instructional time yeah. uh, from the time that they are talking and 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 really out the womb all the way through. Uh, beginning to start middle school, getting into adolescence. Yeah. So you want to give yeah. them books. You know, you want to give them things that they can do that are going to, because they're sponges. So that was just, you know, you something know, I thought about you when know, you said this, the cell phone. This is a great segue that my wife is bringing in. So we're not just going to be doing Facebook Live, right? 
we're going to be doing, we're going to be delivering a lot of, um, I think, executable things mm. that you can do to help bridge this. So there's a, there's a great deal of apps out there um, to help you, you know, eliminate those mindless games. And like um, what I do with my, my husband, I, with, with my uh, son, Jesus, with my son, um, I said, son, I'm not buying you a PlayStation. I'm not buying you an Xbox. He has a Wii. You know why? It, and, and it's only physical activity type games. That's his that's that's the only video thing that he's going to be doing for the long time for the long haul. And here's the other thing I said, son, since you like video games so much or you want to engage in them, I said, we're going to ch change this into where you're thinking like an entrepreneur. And so he's getting ready to start programming on how to build video games. And they have that kind of thing at Toys R Us, guys. So, you know, don't let your children be mindless. I'm going to tell you something that my godson, Damien, over in Albuquerque, New Mexico, taught me. Look, if you're going to play video games, man, my, my best friend, Kevin Banks, man, my godson, this guy is making money. He's been making money on video games. So, guys, if you're going to if you're going to let your child do it, hey, I mean, OK, great. They're playing video games. Let them get in some of these competitions. Right. Or on the other end, help them to program. Right. Um, don't let it let don't let it be mindless. And I think be it's life is really life is all about balance. And we're all trying yeah. to find that. But we have to help the kids find it. Like yeah. if we're struggling with trying to be balanced, uh oh, you know, with exercising and, you know, yeah. life together as yeah, a, as a right. couple and right. raising children and all the things that we have to do. We have to recognize when there are extremes that are going on in their lives. And yeah. so that's all I'm saying about the phone. You know, Major has his games that he loves to play, and I love to watch him play it because he beats me because he knows how to do it so easily. Um, but I think it's about balance. It's just about, you know, enough I is agree. enough. I agree. All right. And then him looking at it more so as a reward, you know, then this is something I deserve. Like the other day, he was like, uh, Mom, are y'all going to get me a phone when I turn seven? And I was thinking like, um, seven? For real? Uh, no, you're not getting no phone. I, I told that, I was like, no. That, you know, when I see no kids that young, I'm just kind of like, you know, you've made that kind of like, that's a privilege. And I just, you know, that's just me. You know, I saw the little watch the other day that is supposed to be the smart watch for kids that keeps up with them and all that. Now, I'm down with that. I'm down with security. So so this is a great point. But, uh, okay. Yeah. So we're, we're nearing the, the, the end, guys, right? We're, I we're, wanted to just highlight what, what your friend Chris okay, so, made a so, really great um, okay, comment so, on here. So Chris, Chris Gars is one of my good friends out of, out of Houston, sharp guy, can barbecue. I got to test it out one of these days, but I, I salivate over Facebook on the pictures. He, he says something that I want you guys to read, right? And then we'll move on because it almost is time to go. He said, you make a great point. My wife played and won a national championship in softball, but I coached her for years. I come from work in boots and slacks and get on the field. Lauren and all of my girls loved it. They saw it as a sincere commitment in helping them achieve their goals of learning how to love a game. Mm. As with everything, we must step aside and allow someone more skilled to coach them. Mm. However, with that, we must reevaluate re our commitment. It doesn't change just because we are no longer on the field. Man, you just hit it. So got, I want you to understand something. You have got to understand this. Be present as often as you can, in any way you can. Your children want the investment. Why you wanna do it? One, they're your children. 
what you sow into them, they're going to carry on into the relationships that they have with your future grandchildren and great grandchildren. And you want that. And y'all, I want you to be honest. Look at yourself, Chris, like we do. If you don't have an accountability partner like I have in my wife, because she checks me daily, daily, she checks me. It's not that serious. Okay, I was a little drama. <laughs> but I will tell you, get an accountability partner, right? Because you've got to be involved any way you can. Your children need you. They need you to be present. I've got to be present. And y'all, when you really do a gut check, you know when you're being absent. Mm -hmm. When you know you're being absent, but by society standards, they're telling you, oh, you're a great parent. And they defined it by how many activities your children are in. That's not success. Success is you being involved in your child's life. I refuse mm. to be absent in my son's life. I refuse even at age 24 to be absent in my daughter's life. Mm. That's I it. Gotta, I wanna sing your praises for a moment. Um, I'm reminded of, uh, like I said, we've been married 16 years. You know, We still have a lot more living to do. We still have a lot more uh, growing when it comes to marriage, you know, every day. There's new things, you know, we haven't arrived, but yet we have come to a place where we can really help. Um, you know, I think a lot of marriages uh, and a lot of things can be prevented. Um, you know, I'm not one of those people that, you know, there's some things in life I did have to touch the hot stove, you know, to, to, to know that it was hot. But there are a lot sure. of things that I believe in life we're supposed to have dialogue like this so that it prevents someone else from making mistakes. And so yeah. that's what the purpose of this is. It's just really to help chart a path of just preventative measures for blended families, you know, uh, just families, period. Um, but one thing that I can say is that uh, when, when you have your faith, when you have God in the center of your marriage, in, in the center of your home, let me tell you what. Um, how your marriage and your family can be challenged, but how you will be blessed. Um, I can remember, you know, different jobs that you had, some jobs that required you to travel. And I can remember that your desire was, and this was when Camille was very young, um, it was always that you wanted to be able to spend more time with her. Absolutely. You always wanted to be able to be there so that we could do things together. Absolutely. And part of what drove you in your career that's wasn't right. just to climb the ladder of success. That's right. um, you were not the kind of man that just said, you know what? I mean, to me, you are the CEO already. Like you, you have the ability to manage and to do because you're a phenomenal leader. But the corporate world, you know, sometimes you'll think if I do this and I'll get this and I'll get this, I'll get this. And to attain that, a lot of people are sacrificing a lot of things. They're sacrificing, you know, time from their spouses you know they don't ever see them um just like you said they're not getting to see their their Ooh. their kids but let me tell you what i can remember that you did i remember when you would be uh, make doing all these applications and applying and you looked at specifically you talked to the hr person and, and see what was the travel involved it got to the point where you know because you put your desire to be more with your family that it catapulted you to an opportunity to be able to work closer to home and not have to be burdened with. And, and here's the deal. I'm not saying that everybody can do this. I'm not saying that everybody, you know, can work without having to go in. 
But I do realize that in the household, I do think there needs to be more interaction, interactive dialogue about things like this. Mom's working in a nine to five. Dad's working in a nine to five. Who's spending time with the child? If both of you are doing that, you know, I had the opportunity to teach. If I'm teaching in the in the schools and I'm getting out at four or five, well, of course, it's, it's still a blessing when you're a teacher. It is. It may not be the most pain, but the reality is you're able to get be there with the child because you're on their schedule. Absolutely. But if you have somebody that's working more of a corporate position, um, you know, then you know what that schedule looks like. So if you have two people in the household that are doing that, um, I just think it just it's it's time for us to start talking about what we really want uh, in our in our homes. And that's all I'm saying. Okay, we just so, got to you know, okay. I'm not saying that, you know, okay. I'm making every mom a stay at home mom. Don't get on me about that because I'm not doing that. I'm a businesswoman. I've been a, I've been an instructor in the public schools. I know what it's like to do all that, but I'm grateful for, you know, being an entrepreneur and having flexibility and, and all of that. But at the same time, I just think it's worth talking about. Okay. So, so what my wife, she just brought up something that um, I, I've demanded of myself and that is unwavering commitment to my family above my job. There should be five things that are always present in your life. One and in order, God, marriage. I will never put my amazing children in front of this lady. Three is my job. Four is my is is church, um, and you know everything else thereafter, right? And I, a few years back, um, I left AT and T. Great job, amazing company. But it was taking so much of my time. I was literally working 12, 13, 14 hours a day. I quit. I said, God, I need a job with um, not so much of a time commitment. Went to the other job and <clears throat> T-Mobile, great company on the enterprise side, had a great boss. Um, and then I kept seeing, though, I want a job working from home. Why? I've worked throughout my career at home. And you get so much more done, less distracting. But I wanted the, the, the ability and the chance to sometimes take my son to school, to sometimes go have lunch with him. And I will tell you, when you ask God for something that is honorable as that, mm. he'll grant your request. He will. Why? I, I work for a company now called iJet. Um, I work from home 100 percent of the time. Um, I control my travel schedule. But I will tell you, I do travel. But I do not let that impact time with my son. And I'm going to give you a prime example of how serious I am about it. Um, I have to be and I just found out about this and my wife is finding out right now. All right. Uh oh, yeah, it happens sometimes. But I'm just kidding. In times past, what I'll do is I'll take the, the red eye flight so I don't miss my son's game. That's not a pat on the back. It's I have a commitment because. I want to know my son needs to know. I need to know that I'm giving him time. All right. I can sleep on the plane. Um, all I'm going to do if I get there early is go straight to my hotel room and do work. So what I make sure to do is I'll take the red eye flight just so I can make sure I see his game. All right. So I want you to understand something. If you want to spend more time with your family, ask God to bless you with a, a, a job either within your company or to ask for uh, some flex time. I don't know what that is, but I will tell you the paradigm is shifting here in America mm -hmm. where it's not cool to say I'm worth 12 hours, man. Yeah. I'm averaging about 80 hours a week. 
Yeah. No, I, that used to be the cool thing to show that, you know what, that's what success is defined by. Success is no longer defined by that. It's defined by how much time you spend with your family. And I'm going to tell you this. Uh-oh, if you're one of those people who loves spending time away from your family mm. and you use work as your excuse, that's not good either. I would okay. suggest you get some counseling. I would suggest you redefine what those uh, important things are in life because it sounds like you might be in some trouble. And I've been there. That blended family life will cause you to feel that way. But I will tell you, it's not the right way. So this is your blended family guy coming at you. We're about to end every Sunday. Now, I promise next time it will start at 6 p.m. sharp. We're going to go 30 minutes very hard. Leave your comments. This is going to turn into a podcast. We're going to have the audio on it. All of that. It'll be on my YouTube channel. We're going to be doing this every Sunday. We're going to be talking about some pretty sensitive things. Here's the, one of the ones is my selfishness how it almost caused me to divorce my wife because she had fibroids. So ladies, my wife is going to be touching on fibroids, how it impacted our relationship, my selfishness coupled with her fear because this woman has went through a lot for me, a lot for our family, a lot just to bring her to the point where she is now. But I'm going to tell you, we've made it through. I can't wait. We got some really great things to talk about. Um, finances, children, marriage, man, we're bringing it to you. We're going to be transparent because we want you to be saved from that divorce. We want your relationship to get on track. And I'm just going to tell you, we love you. Families were meant to be a success, the nucleus of success. So thank you. Tune in next Sunday. And uh, just want to say thank you for joining in and tuning in. All right. Have a good one.